Well, good evening, everyone. And um, some of you have met me, and I gave you a little bit of my testimony, but I want to follow up a little bit more tonight. We're going to be in a couple of places. I'll be in the book of Ruth, but I'll start off in the book of Isaiah. But, but um, I think I'll go ahead and read Isaiah first in chapter 29 in verse 7 and 8. And um, I do have some thoughts about the mission field and um, Haiti right now with the assassination and they were already in a political upheaval there and a lot of things were happening with uh, kind of gang related things as you know about Chicago, it's the police are so outnumbered in Chicago. Um, it's similar as far as you can make a little bit of an analogy there that much of Chicago is run by gangs. It's not, uh, it's out of control. And um, Haiti is very similar, especially in the capital city of Port-au-Prince. And um, they uh, just kind of blackmail people. Um, they try to extort missionaries, extort uh, other people that are there trying to help them. And um, so uh, it's difficult now because um, people are afraid they were already a little bit living in fear, but much more so now because um, the uh, uh, president is gone. So uh, you think, well, now that you're going to have some elections soon, you're going to get who, you, who the people want. But the elections are fraudulent, um, very fraudulent. And so wherever there's a, a place where they vote, uh, there'll be gangs there and they'll control who and who cannot vote and uh, what ballots they keep and what ballots they throw away. And uh, I think I speak for uh, many uh, third world countries. I think if there, you had a missionary here, perhaps from, oh, let's say from Ivory Coast and another one maybe from um, uh, Djibouti, Africa, maybe someone else uh, from this country, that country, they could tell you similar stories. But uh, Haiti is the most uh, poverty stricken a nation in the Western Hemisphere. Um, I'm, I've looked at several sources, and uh, a lot of people just work all day for what's equivalent to a few dollars in American money. And um, at one time, uh, one Haitian dollar equaled one American dollar, and now it's about um, it's about 19 to one. So inflation is horrible there, and uh, and the only one that that profit. Uh, are a few people that have a lot of money. and um, But um, I have to say this here, we do more than just get the word of God out there. Uh, if you look around, there's a lot of people that are hungry. And um, my wife and I, um, we were able to, uh, for example, put together a, uh, a nice bag of uh, rice and beans, which is their staple and they like it. In fact, I've tried to give American food away they really don't care for that. It's not uh, their culture. It's not uh, very palatable with them. Um, but we can uh, 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 eight or 10 pounds of rice and, and black beans and then a, a bottle of uh, oil and then uh, maybe some canned fish and some other things like that. And that doesn't feed someone for a meal. It, it gets them down the road for several meals, uh, it, whether they have a family or not. And so, uh, especially, uh, you know, we're exhorted to uh, help those, especially uh, the household of faith. And so we do look around and um, um, 
about once a month, I like to um, give all the mothers in the church, especially, especially all the mothers in the church, a, a bag of food. Uh, but there's others that can't afford to get their kids in school. There's other people that need clothes. There's other people that uh, need to get to the hospital. And others have uh, uh, other types of uh, emergency illnesses coming up uh, that, that do come up. And so um, there's just, if you look around, there, there's just so much to do. And at, at the same time, we try to saturate our, our area of the country with as much of the Word of God as we can. And we do that through several sources. Uh, we have a Christian school uh, through ninth grade, kindergarten through ninth, and we're well over 200 children now. And uh, I am teaching, uh, training nine men uh, for the pastorate. And, um, uh, but we have started several churches. And, um, and then we have, um, if we're able to get back here in August, like we, like we thought we can, but since then, there's been the assassination. So with talking to Dr. Seamer and different ones, we are proceeding with caution. But three times a year, we open up the uh, church to, um, uh, to the public. And uh, we chiefly have an audience of about 300 people. And uh, they come in for one week. And we'll teach them uh, maybe a Bible doctrine and say with maybe the doctrine of the Holy Spirit or a certain book of the Bible. Uh, we feed them two meals a day, and uh, and we we uh, preach to them, teach and teach them, preach about uh, four or five sessions a day, sometimes six, and uh, we do that three times a year. We do it once before uh, school commences in August, then we do it again at Christmas break, and then we do it again at Easter break, and so we have that uh, those seminars, and we have our everyday seminary, and uh, because the men need to work. Uh, uh, some of them are married. They need to support their family. They work in the daytime. I mean, I'm sorry, in the morning. And some of them actually teach in our Christian school. And uh, in the afternoon, I have them from 1.30 to 4.30. And uh, I teach in modules. So I teach them. Um, I just got done uh, before I came in. Uh, I had uh, five, uh, five modules with them. And I taught them the pastoral epistles and the prison epistles and et cetera, et cetera. And so um, we had we had a good time. And um, so, um, but we have them for four years uh, before we graduate them. And um, um, then we have a Saturday seminary, and it lasts from eight to twelve, and that's open to the public as well. Uh, chiefly, the ones that come there are pastors and uh, lay people that are maybe part-time in the ministry. And so we have them and we teach them uh, different, um, uh, again, different doctrine, different books of the Bible and different helps to help them along uh, with their Christian life. And uh, so uh, suffice to say, we just have a lot of uh, ways we get the word of God out there. Um, once a week, I go to the market and uh, in the morning, on uh, Thursday mornings, and I take a couple of my men with me, and we go there, and I rent out a depot and uh, show uh, some evangelistic films, and, uh, and then uh, we'll pass out uh, several hundred tracks and uh, do some soul winning uh, in, the, uh, in the market. And then Saturday, I like to go to where we planted to work and take some, a few men and go there and try to um, maybe blitz the area uh, with uh, 
some canvassing and some soul winning to try to encourage the pastor of the church that we have started in that area. Uh, so uh, just so much to do if you just go there and look around. Um, but there's a lot of ways you can help. And it's not all 100% just getting the word of God out there. Uh, there's people that are sick and they need an antibiotic. They need to see a doctor. And uh, there are other problems, uh, medical problems and hunger problems. And so the other uh, drawback that we have is that the literacy rate in our area, I think it's about 25%. And so we have a lot of people from the hills and a lot of people that come into the market. And, uh, and I realize that when I do pass out many tracks, uh, that we pass them out to people that cannot even read any words but uh, they may have relatives, or some of them do have children that have the opportunity to go to school now, and they can uh, perhaps have the track read to them, and so on and so forth. But um, anyway, um, in the book of uh, Isaiah, um, I want to read in chapter 29 to start off here in verse 7 and 8. Um, it's speaking about Israel, or speaking about uh, um, speaking about uh, Jerusalem chiefly, and when he talks about Ariel in verse seven, he says, "In the multitude of all the nations that fight against Ariel, even all the fight against her and her munition, and that distress her, shall be as a dream of a night vision. It shall even be as when an hungry man dreameth, and behold, he eateth, but he awaketh, and his soul is empty." Or as when a thirsty man dreameth, and behold, he drinketh, but he awaketh, and behold, he is faint, and his soul hath appetite. So shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Mount Zion. Um, you know, on this day um, that this was written in the book of uh, Isaiah, uh, even in that day, um, the Jews were a very hated people, uh, much like they are today. One of the things that I fear is that um, um, our, our American leaders uh, will um, have the same attitude one day and that we'll have a government that is anti-Israel anti and uh, we need to pray for the peace of uh, Jerusalem. The Bible says, uh, they shall prosper that love thee. I remember when I was first saved, I didn't know anything about the Jewish people, but I... Uh, I remember that it, it, it just appeared to me, and maybe some of you can concur, that God just put a love in my heart for the Jewish people. And, um, but um, anyway, uh, I want to go back now to the book of Ruth. What we just read in Isaiah is that even today, there are nations that have, um, and leaders of the world that have vowed to destroy Israel to destroy the people, and not just to take their nation away from them, but to destroy them. And uh, we need to be very, very vigilant uh, for those people. We need to pray for them. And uh, if you look at, uh, in eschatology, there's nothing said too much about uh, America. Uh, in fact, I can't find anything. But in eschatology, there's a whole lot written about Israel and so when I look at the future, or even as I read my Bible, I try to keep uh, an eye, at least, on the nation of Israel. And um, 
Israel also, of course, they need missionaries. Um, I forget the percentage now. It's been a long time since I looked it up. But uh, a multitude of Israelis live in, as you know, in America. And I believe that the population is enormous in cities like New York and, uh, and, and, other, and other big uh, metro areas throughout North America, not just, uh, not just uh, the United States. And, um, but they, uh, you know, they, uh, uh, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. And um, as I have talked, and God has allowed me to cross paths with some Jewish people, they really are blind about uh, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, some of them will talk to you about the Pentateuch, the first five books. Uh, some of them have great portions of it memorized. And, um, and some of them will talk to you about uh, different books, perhaps of the Old Testament, but uh, they, don't want, they don't want you to include the New Testament because then you start talking about the Messiah and uh, they don't believe he has come the first time yet. And uh, so uh, they're, they're blind. Uh, they are uh, a religious people. And, um, but um, they, um, some of them have had what you would call a religious experience, but they uh, have never been regenerated in their heart. Uh, some have. Uh, don't misunderstand me. Um, and and um, from what I've talked to people that have, actually seeing a Jewish man or woman or child come to Christ, uh, it's, they, they say it's an amazing thing. The light bulb comes on in their head. And like the Apostle Paul, uh, they're really familiar with the Old Testament, and they, become, uh, uh, they can become great uh, disciples for the Lord. But um, So we're talking about this passage of Scripture here. We looked at just two verses. But Isaiah was talking about people that are want to come up against Jerusalem, uh, they're just dreaming. And their dream's not going to come to pass. And uh, we saw this happen time and time again in, is, in, is, in, the, in the Old Testament. Uh, you remember uh, when Sennacherib came up against uh, Jerusalem, and uh, he was going to uh, destroy uh, Jerusalem in Hezekiah's day. And many, many have... Uh, uh, followed the same path, and they were not able to uh, destroy the Jewish people. Uh, we can look at the life of Haman, and what his desire was, was to not take their land away, but to destroy all the Jews. Um, if you look at Herod in the New Testament, for just some, uh, a few minutes of your time, you go there. Uh, if you follow um, the history of the hatred against the Jewish people, uh, go back to the days of Esau, his relationship with Jacob, and look at uh, the descendants of Esau, the Edomites, in the, in the generations to come, and their relationship to Israel, it was very hostile. And if you follow that a little bit, even Herod, in Herod's day, when he had all those babies killed, uh, when Jesus was a little boy, uh, Herod was an Edomite. He was from, from that family. And so there's been a great, great hatred there and uh, for a long, long time. And, uh, but um, I love the Jewish people. I don't love uh, some of the things that they do. And, um, but um, 
we'll get away from that history lesson here, and I want you to turn with me to the book of Ruth, and we'll talk about missions for a moment. And um, I want to talk about looking at the life of Ruth, and uh, and as we tie that in with Isaiah chapter 29, verse 7 and 8, and that is I want to talk about dreams that can never come true, dreams that simply cannot come true. And, um, you know, in Genesis 37, Joseph had some dreams, very, very meaningful. He didn't know it at the time. But in Genesis 37, uh, uh, twice it talks about his dreams. If we fast forward to uh, Pharaoh's day, uh, he had dreams, didn't he? Uh, if we uh, look in Daniel's day, uh, Daniel was an interpreter of dreams and visions, but Nebuchadnezzar, of course, had those dreams. Uh, even uh, before, during the days of the crucifixion, before our Savior was crucified, even Pilate's wife had a dream. And so God used dreams in the Bible, and there's many, many other places we can look at. And um, um, But uh, we're going to look at something here in connection with Ruth. i I got to say one more thing about uh, tying in Ruth. When my wife and I uh, were first married, uh, we didn't know the Lord. And uh, we grew up in the Catholic Church. And... Um, we both went one night to a Billy Graham crusade, and um, at the at the invitation time, um, I went forward and got saved, but my wife did not. She had gone all the way through her grade school, high school, college years in a Catholic uh, schools. She was more entrenched in it than I was. I had only gone to a grade school, and uh, but. Um, I'm not going to get into all why did you go, where did you go, and all that. But suffice to say, uh, our marriage started off on rocky ground because uh, she was going to Catholic Mass, and I was going to an independent Baptist church in Springfield, Illinois. And uh, But uh, I learned over a period of time that, uh, number one, I had never owned a Bible in my life, and so the Bible was brand spanking new to me, but it did come alive when I began reading it, and um, and I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed um, having my prayers answered, but um, my wife had nothing to do with that. She didn't care for that, but um, she'll tell you today that she picked up some of my gospel tracts I, I left at home, uh, and she was reading them and didn't tell me. But uh, as time went on, she began to let me, uh, and that's a weird way to put it, but she didn't want me at first to read the Bible to her. But as time went on, she let me read the Bible to her every night. And she, like myself, didn't know the book of Esther was in the Bible. She loved it, even though she was unconverted, but she liked the story. And then we read the book of Ruth. She didn't know about the book of Ruth. And it's a very, very simple uh, four-chapter book uh, reminds me a little bit of Jonah as far as its, its simplicity, and uh, she didn't know that was in there, but through a course of events here, you can see me reading the Bible to my wife, uh, reading and reading it to her. The Holy Spirit was using the Word of God to work in her heart, and after a period of time, I led my wife to Christ, and, uh, and then she uh, followed in believer's baptism like I did, and, uh, and then we stayed on there for several years before the Lord called us into the ministry. 
and uh, so on and so forth. So I think you need to know a little bit more about your missionary you support. Uh, my wife and I, she couldn't be here, uh, kind, of, kind of an emergency came up, but uh, she's not in any trouble or danger right now. But uh, anyway, um, so the answer, as I look back on my life, the first 24 years of my life, um, um, no, I wasn't steeped in alcohol and drugs and tobacco and some of those, you know, some of those things. But uh, I was no better off, meaning that I was um, totally depraved. I was I was lost. I was I was on my way to hell, and um, and at the same time, I can see now looking back that, and I couldn't see it at the time. But as I was uh, getting away and, and getting into uh, four years in the military, a uh, year in Vietnam, and here and there. Uh, God did use and bring, and he did bring certain people in my life uh, to be a witness to me. And uh, so um, I can remember on one occasion, I was in Vietnam, and a man named Alan Winters, he was a Christian man, and uh, he was also from Illinois like myself. But um, one day, um, Alan, uh, he didn't uh, try to lead me to the Lord. He didn't give me a track. He didn't show me any verses. He just simply said, and we were just out in, uh, I forget exactly where we were, the setting, but uh, there was a lot of uh, vehicles, military, this and that. And he said, Keith, if, you, if you're if you out in front of that vehicle right there and it ran over you and killed you, where would you spend eternity? And uh, I couldn't give him an answer. I, I didn't say, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I just didn't have an answer for him. But that stayed with me. And, uh, and, and uh, so... Uh, no, he did not, like I said, share the scripture with me, but it got me to start rethinking my theology and uh, and because I was in a combat area and uh, there were people dying there in Da Nang, Vietnam in 1970-1971. Um, let me look here first in the book of Ruth. I'm not going to read uh, four chapters. I'm not even going to read one chapter, but I will look at some key verses I think it'd be helpful you tonight and when we talk about dreams that cannot come true and uh if you want to i don't have time to share with you but my wife if she was here she'd tell you that i have these crazy dreams all the time and i've had them all my life and i'm sure if we had some time to fellowship we could sit down and some of you could share some things with me and vice versa but um the first thing i want to look at here in the book of Ruth, is that the first dream that cannot come true is reaching the world for Christ without a vision. And uh, as I look back in Joseph's dreams, I'm, I think with all he went through, and I know I'm jumping back and forth here, but, but he was a man that was involved in dreams too. I, I believe his dreams uh, kind of kept him going. Uh, he did not have the Word of God like you and I do today. And, uh, in fact, he didn't have um, much of the Word of God at all, but he loved the Lord, as you and I know. But uh, Ruth, I want to look at, had a vision to leave the old life and her old gods uh, for a new life and the real God. Look at chapter 1, verse 15 through 18. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law, this is Naomi speaking, her mother-in-law, is gone back unto her people 
and unto her gods, Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. And so um, Ruth had a vision to leave Moab. Uh, it says, I believe in the book of Psalms, I don't remember the reference, uh, the psalmist said that, that Moab is my wash pot. In other words, the Jews looked at the Moabites, the descendants of Lot, as the offscouring of the world. And so uh, they knew that they had a Moabite in the area in the person of Ruth when she came back to Bethlehem. Remember, she, Naomi and her husband and two sons had left Bethlehem to seek a better life because there was famine in Bethlehem. And um, so, um, you know, the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And I want to encourage you, if you, if you do have trouble getting a vision for the work, getting a vision for missions, uh, follow your pastor's vision. Um, sometimes we have to do that. I know I had to do that for years to fully understand and to get grounded, really, in missions, to get grounded in uh uh, in the uh, under the umbrella of a local church and um, and after all these years I have no regrets and I do know uh, that the uh, answer is still the local church God is still in the saving business and uh, he still wants church to started and uh, and perhaps you're not at the age where uh, uh, God can can use you in another country, or perhaps uh, you know you are right where you're supposed to be. You're serving God exactly where he wants you to be. Uh, but uh, we still need to pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into his harvest. There's one more thing that just came to my mind. I didn't mean to say this in my notes, but uh, be careful this here. I've seen this as a, this will backfire on, on some families I know. Um, they're young children at early ages and uh, come to mom and dad and they may have been at Bible camp or they may have been at vacation Bible school or they may have been in a local church setting like this here and uh, and get a hold of mom and dad and said, God wants me to go here or God's called me to preach. I've seen some parents throw water on that. That's very dangerous. And um, my uh, second oldest son was called to preach when he was eight years old in Bible camp. And uh, he pastors now in the Bronx, Victory Baptist Church, and it's been there 11 years and started that church with a bus route. And, uh, and so uh, he, he planted a church there. And, um, um, you know, Sam has planted uh, many churches. Uh, our oldest son, Keith, uh, planted a work a few years ago in Ankeny, Iowa. Uh, I, I do request prayer for him. He's had a fever for seven days. He's got COVID. And uh, he just regrets so much not getting his vaccine. But um, uh, he's struggling uh, physically. But um, I said that because God called those men uh, at an early age. And um, so um, if your kids come to you with things like that, you need to take the time and uh, be very, very careful with that. 
because uh, your kids are, I know they, they're full of the dickens sometimes, but they're very tender-hearted, and they're very impressionable, and they're very, very teachable, very teachable. And uh, so uh, let me um, caution you about that. The Bible says, uh, Jesus says, Say not ye, there are four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already into harvest. Um, just try to vision uh, multitudes, multitudes, and multitudes of people uh, without a shepherd. And um, we, um, I'm reminded in the Bible, not in the Bible, but in my, I used to teach history um, in a Christian school. I was a uh, principal slash um, teacher, and I taught more than one subject, but History was one, and uh, but I had an opportunity to study a little bit about uh, uh, some of the uh, great uh, so-called uh, ism movements in the world, and I learned that um, um, Chairman Mao, uh, if you read the history of how he uh, got the revolution going in in um, in uh, China, and his little red book that he put out. Um, and uh, millions of young people uh, read that till they memorized it. And uh, he sold the people on some false doctrine and literally a, an out-and-out lie. And uh, he conquered the hearts of the Chinese people with a lie. Um, there's a man named Stalin. Some of you have read about Stalin. Uh, he used a book, Das Kapital, uh, to capture the hearts of the people of uh, Russia somewhat. And then uh, you think about Hitler and his uh, book, um, Mein Kampf, I think it means My Struggles. And uh, he captured the heart of many Germans uh, also with the what? With the printed word. And uh, I said that because uh, isn't the word of God supposed to be more powerful than, than all that stuff? And uh, we need to be careful that uh, we have an opportunity to pass out tracts you have an opportunity to uh, get someone a Bible who's never had a Bible, a New Testament perhaps, and uh, let's uh, let's 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 have a vision to to uh, reach the world. And um, in your circle of friends, in your circle of people that you work with, your circle of neighbors, uh, you know people that your pastor doesn't know, and. Uh, and your pastor cannot talk to everybody. He would be glad to go to talk to anyone that um, that's uh, that that you know. If you put their name down on a card, he would he would do that for you. But um, especially if you're a little bit timid about uh, getting the gospel out there, uh, some of the hardest ones to win to Christ are your own relatives. But I said that because all of us, um, as we move through this life, and we crisscross uh, in our neighborhoods and our places of work. We meet a lot of people and God and the Holy Spirit puts a lot of people in front of us on purpose. And uh, those, as you know, are divine appointments and God wants us to help them. We want, he wants us to be a, a stopgate uh, between them and hell. Um, Ezekiel put it well in uh, chapter 22, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the heads and stand in the gap before me for the uh, Lord, but I found none um, in um, chapter 22 and verse 30, I believe it is. But um, 
Now, there's another dream that cannot come true, and we've already been hitting on that, and that is reaching the, Lord, reaching the world without the Lord. And that's what I've been, my last few thoughts have been about. You see, Ruth found no satisfaction whatsoever in the gods of Moab at all. And really, uh, if you look at the Muslim world, yes, they're trying to conquer the world with, with a lie and uh, with false doctrine. But really, the Muslim people find no satisfaction in that. And, uh, and, and the Catholics find no satisfaction, really, in the Vatican and worshiping Mary and praying to the saints. Uh, the Mormons, really, deep down, there's something very, very empty about going after the Mormon religion. And uh, same thing with your Watchtower Society people. I have seen Jehovah Witnesses out, old people, with canes walking, knocking on doors, and uh, thinking that they are gaining a place in what they call paradise because of the amount of time they spend on the street and the number of doors that they knock and the number of people they talk to. But you know, if a man in that religion, if he knocked on every door in Chicagoland, that would not wash away one of his sins, not at one. Not one. And you and I uh, shouldn't be so timid as you and I had the truth, and, uh, and we should not keep it to ourselves, okay? And so uh, think about that. And so we're not going to reach a world without the Lord. Dream number three, another dream that will, cannot come true, and that is accomplishing the task without laborers. Look at chapter 2 and verse 3 and 4. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, plural, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Um, Ruth got busy, but uh, when she went there, there were other, there were other workers in other words, Boaz had a crew, okay? Uh, I'm reminded as you look at the uh, missionary journeys of Paul, uh, Paul did not go alone, and, uh, and neither did our Savior. Uh, he trained 12 men, and one of them, of course, was a deceiver. But, you know, he didn't leave the work to just one man. He left it to 11 men, and uh, Jesus did not do his work. Uh, he did that. Uh, he was not alone. and um, um, it's always best to try to do the work uh, with your wife, with your husband, with a, a, another co-worker, and so on and so forth. But um, uh, Solomon said, two are better than one, for they have a good reward for their labor. You see, what I'm getting at here is that not only are we not going to uh, accomplish the uh, missions task without laborers, but, um, you know, we don't have a Holy Spirit problem. Um, the Holy Spirit is, is right there with us. And uh, he, uh, in believers, he resides in us. He's our earnest. He's our down payment, so to speak. Um, and we don't have really a shortage of the Word of God. You and I know enough of the Bible to, to if, you, if they took our Bibles away from us today, we still have enough of the Bible in our heart to win people to Christ. 
Um, and we still have the printed material that we can get out there, tracts we can send, Bibles we can send, and so on forth. Some of us can just write letters, emails, and things like that, and get messages out there. And what am I saying here? We don't have uh, we don't have a harvest problem. We don't have a word of God problem. We don't have a Holy Spirit problem, but we do have a labor problem. Hey. Laborers. We don't oh. have enough laborers for what's going on. I don't know the stats of uh, very many countries, but I do know that um, they estimate uh, 7 billion plus in the world today. Uh, I don't know how they would know that. I think they can guess. Um, I know some nations do have a pretty accurate count of how many people are in their nation, but uh, we do have a laborer's uh, problem. That's why Jesus left us with that prayer request that pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest, okay? Dream number four that cannot come true, serving God without some sacrifice. There's always going to be sacrifice. Uh, when Abraham left his family um, to go out into who knows where, in his opinion, he didn't know where he was going. Um, you look at the life again of, of the Lord Jesus, uh, uh, Paul said, for you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And uh, there was some sacrifice there. He did take up his cross, and um, and he wants you and I to do the same thing. Um, look at chapter 1 again. In... Uh, about Ruth here, and that is, and she said, verse 15, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, No, I'm forsaking my family because I believe that's what God wants me to do. She didn't disown her family. She didn't dislike her family, but her love for God was greater than her love for her own kin. And um, something else here, too, as we hit on it a while ago, Ruth, being a Moabite, did not go to a very safe place. And uh, Haiti right now is not a safe place to go. Um, I think about Jonah going to Nineveh. That was not a safe place to go. And before we judge Jonah and his disobedience, uh, if you do the relationship between the Ninevites, the Assyrians, and the Jews, uh, I don't know that I could have gone myself either. And uh, there was just a lot of hostility there. And Assyria was one of the greatest uh, military um, nations of that day. And so uh, Ruth, she left her family. She went into a strange land. And she was not in a safe place. In fact, going into this harvest with all these other people, and many of them were men, uh, it was difficult. But God was looking out for her. Look with me in chapter 2 and verse 8. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them, have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? You see God's protection there. 
And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. And you can see also, I believe, God's provision there. And he's looking out for her. And you know, um, maybe one day uh, God will call one of you or one of your children. And you think, I remember when my dad first heard that I was going to Haiti. He says, they're decapitating people down there. But, uh, you know, um, and, I, and I listened to my dad. He, he passed on last year, but uh, uh, bless his heart, uh, he meant well. And uh, uh, he, know, he, he knows Haiti from way back as far as in the news and some of the things that go on down there. But you see, um, it's safer to be in a dangerous place and being there where God wants you to be than to try to secure a safe haven and be out of God's will. And, uh, you know, when Paul was in the storm on the ship, uh, God took care of him. And, uh, yes, some people would have said, Paul, we're all going to drown. We're all going to die here. And, uh, and then you look at the life of Jonah. He thought he was safe in that ship in chapter 1, but he was out of God's will. And... Uh, God prepared a storm, didn't he, and, uh, and got his attention. And so when we find out where God wants us, that's the safest place to be. And uh, so dream number five, that doesn't come true. Seeing results without hard work, it's just not going to happen. It takes hard work on the mission field. It takes hard work where we live right here. You know that. In Ruth chapter 2, <clears throat> look at verse 4. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto a servant that was over, set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is a Moabite's damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now, that she tarried a little in the house. See, it's going to take work in our place of employment that God puts us. Drop your eyes down to verse 22. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest, and of wheat harvest, and dwelt with her mother-in-law. I, the way that speaks to my heart is that God wants me to serve him where he put me until he shuts the door and maybe opens another door. And I've seen this happen with many missionaries. God has shut the door. Uh, Brother Smith, who's in, in um, the um, Barbados, is that where he is? Where was he before, Brother Yes, and so God can shut the door, and um, um, others have left the field thinking uh, um, some have had to leave Russia, some have had to leave China, but uh, then God uh, shuts the door there, and he opens the door usually somewhere else, okay? And so this is a good picture of what our Savior expects Christians to do. Uh, he expects us to find our field. He expects us to stay there until the harvest is complete. And that's just a picture of the Christian life today and of, the, and of our Christian uh, work. Um, 
you know, God used a lot of people. He used fishermen. Uh, he used uh, statesmen. He used um, um, uh, farmers, um, Old Testament, New Testament. But uh, let me say this here. Uh, I have not found yet where God uses a lazy person. And, uh, and we have to be careful with that. And I know that, uh, and I don't know all of you, I, I, and you may be between jobs and it's hard to find work, or uh, you've been laid off. Uh, I don't know your life. I'm not picking on you. So, and I don't know your circumstance, but uh, God has a work for us. And, uh, and, 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 and if I could leave you with this here, God wants you to use your work as an evangelistic tool. And uh, there are some ways that you can reach people. And, uh, and, and, and we just need to be, and especially with this pandemic, we need to be just innovative about uh, what God wants us to do here. One more dream here and a dream that cannot come true, and this is the last one, you cannot experience salvation without the Savior. And the world is trying to do that today. Uh, Proverbs says in two different places, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And um, some are trying to be good, uh, which no one is. Um, the Bible says, if we say that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Um, others think they can keep the Ten Commandments, which is an impossibility. Uh, some have been baptized in many different forms. Others have joined a church, and some of them have joined many different churches over a period of years. But listen, you, we cannot experience salvation without the Savior. And so if I can just leave you with those thoughts and tie it in a little bit here with Ruth, I encourage you to, uh, just in your casual reading, to grab a hold of that book again and uh, see how that, uh, this sweet book, it's really interesting how uh, God would put this right after uh, the book of Judges, where it got to a place where everyone doing that which is right in their own eyes. Kind of reminds me of kind of what's going on around us today and then it follows with the book of Samuel and um, there was just problems galore with the Israelites in the in the first few chapters of Samuel but God put this sweet book in there and I believe there's just a lot of mission emphasis and a mission application with this book and so if you uh, read it on your own ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through that and um, and there's something that we can all do and uh, God's not called everyone in here to go to Haiti. Um, but um, um, I think in closing, we need to be surrendered to whatever God has for us and be willing to do whatever, to go wherever he wants us to go. And, uh, and so if I can leave that, those thoughts with you tonight, and let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for the word of God. You know, without the Bible, we don't have a message. And without the Savior, we don't have salvation. And I do pray that you would help us, Lord, that we keep a good balance in our life with, uh, with missions in the local church and to, um, Lord, have the vision uh, the pastor does, uh, not only, Lord, for missions, but also for uh, the Jerusalem right here that LifePoint is involved in. Father, we uh, thank you, Lord, for 
another day of life. Thank you, Lord, for, again, your plan for the local church and uh, your plan for missions. And I uh, pray that you go before us this week and give us a good start to a new week and that you'd order our steps, Lord, uh, but that you might um, first, Lord, have your will and way with the remainder of this service. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.